Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Filling in for Susan Littlefield today, I'm Chad Moyer. Today we're joined by Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodities Analytics. Well, Mike, let's take a look at the market screen here. First of all, looks like kind of a, a red day, especially in the grains. Another especially weak day in the wheat. Uh, before we uh, talk about commodities specifically, just uh, general market comments overall. What were the, the markets kind of focused on here Thursday? You know, I, I think we continue to see that bifurcated market, Chad, where we've got one eye on the macro situation with the crude oil, the dollar, the U.S. bonds, all of those working in the midst of what's going on with China and what's going on with the Federal Reserve. And I think that came into play uh, in a substantial way on Thursday. Um, the second factor, I think, that allowed those macro factors, those more negative macro factors, to come in is the fact that the weekly export sales very disappointing for the grains it, it supported the idea that the rally earlier in the week hitting the 52 week moving averages in corn beans and wheat not being able to get above those technical levels except in the wheat early on in the week because of the crop conditions report uh, those those weren't justified as far as being able to stay above those or not being able to get above those moving averages on a closing basis. And so <clears throat> those things, I think, came back to kind of haunt us along with the fact because the export sales were weak, we had those macro conditions that, that we weren't able to really kind of cast aside and ignore uh, like I think we were earlier in the week. All right, Mike. Let's talk about some of the commodities specifically. And and again, I'm gonna. I did this yesterday, but I'll do it again today. Starting with wheat. I mean, we've had two days in a row now where um, uh, wheat is really selling off, especially Kansas City wheat. Um, I mean, it's not raining anywhere in the Southwest Plains that I can see a, a lot of anyway. Um, uh, is it uh, some of these world factors? What What's the story with wheat? Do you think? Yeah, I think the world factors have have kind of laid the groundwork that the market does not want to add any more premium until more is known. And I think that's one of the big reasons why we were able to get above the 52-week moving average in the soft red wheat because the hard red wheat was essentially leading us above those levels. Um, but I think the thing that really came into play with the wheat specifically was the 9.5 million bushels of weekly export sales. And I think, Chad, when we saw that, um, the, the market then turned to the weather. And, and as you say, we aren't getting any rains but the models have definitely turned wetter for the hard red wheat belt, especially centered in Kansas and Oklahoma. And then the Climate Prediction Center also put out its new three-month outlook, its official June, July, August forecast, suggesting that El Nino, a wetter, cooler bias in the United States, was going to take hold by the time we got to the middle of the of the year, essentially by the end of May was the mindset. I, I think these things especially hit the wheat extra hard uh, and, and it went back and traded with those macro fundamentals, especially we've lost almost 8% in crude oil in just the last week after making a multi-week high at the end of last week. We've now pulled back almost 8%, soft red wheat's down six, hard red wheat's down six and a half roughly at this point, and I don't think there's any um, doubt in my mind that the fact that the two-year bond yields in the Bloomberg Grain Index have a negative relationship of about 90% in their price action 
over the last three months, that has a lot to do with why the wheat continues to disappoint and actually lead us lower, even though the weather should suggest both in spring wheat and hard red, we should be going in the opposite direction. Yeah, We'll come back to that weather discussion in a moment, but uh, let's go back to corn and beans for the moment. Again, uh, negative influences there. Uh, what what did export sales show? Uh, again, uh, kind of were, were corn and beans were following wheat today, or what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I think the beans were trying to hold up against the corn and wheat weakness earlier this week when we had weaker price action. The beans seemed to be the one the trade wanted to buy. Uh, I think that kind of got dismantled, though, when we saw only 3.6 million bushels of beans sold this week compared to 12.2 million on the corn. I think the real kind of nail in the coffin for the soybeans, and this is something that's been looming out there for quite some time, is the fact that the Paranagua Brazil Pork price for soybeans continues to erode while we try and rally here at the Mercantile Exchange and keep our Gulf and our Pacific Northwest cash prices elevated. And now we're at a point where the the Portland price here in this country is about $130 a ton over Brazil, Gulf of Mexico, $100 over Brazil. That ends up being $3.50 a bushel if you're talking about trying to get something out of the Pacific Northwest. I think that finally woke the market up that we are losing business. And there were rumors today, once again, that two different commercials here in the United States were bringing beans in from Brazil into the East Coast in the not-too-distant future. Yep. Um, Mike, you made a mention about the uh, the weather and, and changing forecast kind of as we get into mid to late May. Um, are, are, what about weather for planting? Were there any changes uh, that might favor corn planting over soybeans? Um, how do you think that's going to play out here over the next month or so? You know, it's funny you ask that because the, the temperature outlook for June, July, and August was, was pretty equal chances for normal pretty much throughout the whole Corn Belt. Um, a, a little bit above normal in Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas, and, and far western Nebraska. Um, but the thing that surprised me that I didn't think got as much attention was that the trade was thinking um, we are already having some planting issues with too wet a weather in the primary corn belt because it's been colder and wetter since Easter than we thought it would be. Well, the seasonal outlook that USD, excuse me, CPC came out with today said that we were going to have above to much above uh, precip in Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio, and kind of the bullseye in Kentucky and Tennessee. And so I was surprised the trade didn't want to come in and buy December corn and sell November beans. And in fact, they did the exact opposite. Very interesting. All right, coming up in the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell, continued discussion about today's markets. We'll head over to livestock as well. Check those out. Stay tuned. The second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell is coming up in moments here on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer, joined once again by Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodities Analytics. Uh, Mike, uh, taking a look at the, the grain charts, I know you're a very technical trader as well. What are the technicals telling you compared to what would normally happen this time of year when we're kind of approaching the heart of planting season? Yeah, it's very important to realize we are at elevated price levels as we go into the planting season, and so we do need to look at something like a 2009 or 2013 type price action uh, if we're going to try and go apples to apples, Chad. But I think you bring up a huge point in that from our first segment. We've got a March uh, current monthly low in the, I should say, April current monthly low that was taken out in the hard red wheat today. It was 839. Uh, That really opens up the downside if we take out the monthly lows from last month. And for the hard red, that's 786 and a quarter, quite a ways away. But in the soft red, that's only at 653 and a half. Today's low was uh, 666 and a half. And so we really got to watch those March lows in the wheat market because that really could open up the downside. And especially given the outside markets and the macro forces that we continue to be under, um, I'm very nervous about that because we are going to hear the Federal Reserve talk before our next WASDE report. So just keep that in mind. Those technicals are very important. 52-week moving averages above this market now, they too are very, very important. If I were a hedger and I was looking for a reason to get out of the hedges that I have in place, I think those 52-week moving averages are really good kind of canaries in the coal mine when it comes to maybe thinking about polling hedges because to be able to get above those now would say something to me. What would it take to change that? Uh, are, are we talking political upheaval somewhere, or all of a sudden there is a weather problem, and of course we know how long it takes those to develop. What what would it take to move that around or change that? Yeah, it, it, three things, and I think this goes with the cattle market too, because I think the livestock producer, especially the cattle producers, really got to be ready to buy some corn here if this drought doesn't break pretty soon in, in the western corn belt. So this goes to the livestock sector too. I think three things. The Federal Reserve comes out. Will they say... We're going to raise 25 points, basis points, and now we're done for now. And that then keeps the dollar hemmed in. No one wants to buy the dollar anymore because the bond yields don't want to go higher anymore. Uh, Number two would be coming into the uh, Wheat Quality Council Tour for the Hard Red Wheat Belt. That's just around the corner, as is the next WASDE report. And USDA has a very elevated uh, U.S. national average wheat yield of around 49 bushels from back during that uh, ag forum back in February, I think they've got to pull that back at least six, maybe even eight bushels to the acre uh, when we come into the May WASDA report. So I think the first 10, 15 days of May could be giving us a lot of information that maybe could answer your question as to what would change the current trend that we're in right now. Okay. Uh, you mentioned livestock. Let's switch over to the mercantile and, and kind of recap things there. Cattle markets, again, higher today. Uh, are, are the futures following cash at this point? I mean, uh, 288 this week uh, addressed. A little bit off last week, but still at some pretty all-time highs here, aren't we? Yeah, and I think the 182 lightly traded also supports the idea that we're probably closer to 180 than we are 175, and that's, you know, April Futures was the one that took the nosedive today, helped by the the hog market, once again, getting beat up pretty badly. Um, You've got the April now probably pretty discount to the active cash trade as we head into tomorrow's cattle on feed report, and so I think there might have been a little bit of pre-positioning of the fat cattle market because the light cash trade in that weaker hog market. But we noticed that the feeder cattle market went down, tested some support levels, 
were able to hold those support levels yesterday. They came roaring back today with the break in the corn market, and I think that's a really key uh, market to be watching here as we get those cattle on feed numbers. What about that uh, on-feed report tomorrow? Uh, you know, we're looking at uh, on-feed numbers to be down, uh, what, in that 5% neighborhood, kind of 3 to 5%, I think. Uh, uh, are there keys in that report that you're going to be watching? Yeah, I think the placements and the on-feed number average trade guess is to be both be down about 5%. We need those numbers to be, to be down about 5% to justify the 180-plus cash trade because packers have been able to increase their, their bids that has attracted better daily slaughter numbers. Now we're going to find out from USDA exactly where we sit. Uh, the marketing's number also is always kind of a sleeper to me because it, it, the price that we're looking at and the featuring, the retail featuring that the USDA keeps track of for us every week, uh, we seem to be slipping on the beef side. And it looks like to me that the marketing's number of 99% on average uh, could be a little bit high. And so if we come in with the lower marketings number, that too could kind of douse uh, some of the excitement in the in the bulls' minds of wanting to take this market sharply higher and maybe create a weaker cash bias as we get into next week's trade. Uh, I think we're still very much in a weather market, and so I, I see this market as mainly pulling back at this point, not maybe putting in a final high at this stage. All right, Mike, great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodities Analytics, joins us on today's program. A reminder, trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss, may not be suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealers. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.